podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there, guys. What is going on? Daniel Childs back here again for another edition of Morning Blues. Hope you are doing very well on this Friday. And in today's show, we're going to be talking about Enzo Fernandez. We're also going to be briefly talking about the Liverpool bias and Chelsea ruining football. We've only won one game. We haven't played well in years. But after literally one performance, we've already got people breaking down and, and worrying that Chelsea have, are, are causing a setback for English football by beating Aston Villa, uh, which is pretty hilarious. And then we will look at this blue cards being introduced, sin bins. Will it actually happen? Because there's been a lot of reaction after last night when that news dropped. So I'll give you my thoughts. Hope you're all doing well. Um, I always find it funny when I do this show because I call it morning blues. And I, I very much set it up to be morning show. You grab a cup of coffee. Let's talk about Chelsea. But of course, I, I'm predominantly talking about uh, a UK-based audience. And uh, I always find it fascinating when we get people listening and watching who are in different parts of the world. We got here one uh, from Win John Larasan, 15, afternoon from the Philippines. Afternoon, mate. Thank you so much for tuning in. So wherever you are in the world, whether it's morning, afternoon, evening, I'm still going to say morning blues. And it's it's probably the happiest morning blues I've done so far this year. Uh, hello from Los Angeles. God, it, mu it must be silly early your time um london here so yeah from across the world people are tuning in so thank you so much please do give the the stream if you're watching live a like share it around with friends really helps out the show if you haven't checked out my review rational perspective on the aston villa game it's the it's the most recent show on the channel and also on the podcast 12 30 a.m for bmr in la so um, not that late actually i think the time difference to la i always think about like new york time like only a five hour i think it's a little bit longer isn't it in la but um let's start off with enzo fernandez um because obviously he was the star of the show on wednesday night not the only star of the show there were many many stars but very early on in this week before the aston villa game we heard reports that Apparently, he was telling his agents, his team, I want to get out of Chelsea. And he was asking to leave Chelsea. And then it, it very much feels like that celebration could be interpreted as paying tribute to Frank Lampard because he's wearing a number eight. But I think it was probably more because he was very, you know, very much signaling, pointing at the shirt, pointing at the badge, pointing down, saying, you know, I'm staying here. And I think that's what it was. Um, there's a lot of noise that comes out at any football club, but particularly Chelsea when things are going wrong. And I think what, what one of the things that frustrated me before the Villa game was in these kind of moments, people tend to throw any quality control over reports out of the window. And because things are negative, it's like, well, this report agrees with me, so I'm going to share it, I'm going to elevate it. And, you know, the Cole Palmer at a nightclub thing that we saw shared round. Now, I think that that thing doesn't really matter whether it was on night or not. But it turned out that that video of Cole Palmer at a nightclub was not at um, the day it said it was. It wasn't Sunday night after the Wolves defeat. It was actually, what, November, October time. 
And it shows you how quickly stuff like this can spread. I think The Athletic did a piece this week about the prevalence of fake transfer rumors and how people uh, very much make a living out of it, right? And it's become a whole industry. And when things are going wrong at Chelsea, we know how much of a circus it can become and how quickly the vultures circle and how quickly doomsday sets in. And unfortunately, because people realise that not only opposition and rival fans and, and general football people will read stories about Chelsea, they also know that fans will buy into it. And I think that the Enzo Fernandez story was, was a classic case of that. I, I don't think that you know, there was nothing to it or people weren't getting information. Sometimes people were just getting bad information. There's a lot of bad actors within football. There are a lot of people wanting to try and get more money for their client, maybe wanting to stir up things for a potential move. There, There is, it's not always a case of black and white in the sense that something is 100% accurate or something is 100% BS. Um, you know, if you're a reporter, if you're a good reporter and journalist, you get some information from one source, but then you should cross and check and verify it multiple times before reporting it. Maybe that's a case where some of this stuff doesn't get pre-checked, you know, and why the likes of Matt Law, who have incredible information as well as others, get stuff right 95, 90, it's probably even higher that for someone like Matt Law. But, you know, I do think that because of the chaos at Chelsea, it was natural stories like that would emerge. Uh, but I think Enzo really has you know set a statement out and there is a, a wider point here around Chelsea buying so many players on long-term contracts and it was always a criticism it's not even in hindsight a criticism at the time was that you know if you're giving someone an eight-year contract what is the incentive for them to perform now when there is a kind of an inbuilt inbuilt safety on their own contract that kind of is like well if you don't perform today it doesn't really matter, does it? Now, I don't think professionals on their own feel like that. I think professional footballers will be hurt when things are coming out about them, harsh criticism. And I think the players responded adequately on Wednesday to that backlash. But, um, you know, I do think the Enzo story it is just a classic case as well as others that, you know, I, I saw another one that was akin to saying and reporting breaking news that Chelsea players were upset in the dressing room after Wolves. Well, that's not that's not breaking news. That's that's obvious. What do you you know? Because there would be more outrage if they were partying after losing four two at home to Wolves. I, you know, I, I expect players, professionals in that environment, to be upset after a defeat. What would you expect? Um, of them and that's that's not a story that's not something that I think should be given much weight and unfortunately in these kind of times I think a lot of it gets thrown out there there were Carney Chukameka to AC Milan stories wild stuff that came from you know sources that I don't think have a lot of credit especially when we're talking it reminds me way back of the yeah his name now there was a German-based journalist who, when Kai Havertz signed, was talking about how Mason Mount was unhappy with Kai Havertz and it got shot down so quickly because it just didn't make a lot of sense. You know, why would someone out of it who reports mainly on Bayern Munich know the integral things about a Bayer Leverkusen player and specifically a Chelsea-based player who's never played in Germany? It just, it just didn't add up. So what I would say from the Enzo story is just look at sources, look at their track record, 
question things logically in yourself like does this really add up um because i think in the heat of the moment we can all fall for a narrative and we can all fall for things that seem like a wave of momentum and seem like they could add up in our own mind but then actually cold hard truth cold hard facts a couple of days later as we know in football things can change r rapidly and enzo fernandez scores one of the best goals Chelsea have scored in years and he looks like an incredible player again and I like to think Enzo can push on now and become an even better player for Chelsea because then it will mean Chelsea are going to be more successful which is what we all want right um, another <laughs> telegraph story that I do want to point out here is and and this is something that just you know completely baffled me um, was J Jamie Carragher um, I don't know if you've seen this. It's his it's his most latest uh, story. Let me let me get this thing up here, and it's just I mean it is ridiculous. Um, this story here: Aston Villa must seize their moment. We need more challenges for major trophies. And I just I, I clicked on it mainly because I was interested because Aston Villa, of course, there's been a lot of hype around them, a lot of hype around Unai Emery, rightly so. They've done a lot of good work. They, you know, it, given their home form, given where they were under Steven Gerrard, given they were in the championship in 2018. But then this first bit here, with apologies to Chelsea fans, Villa's midweek defeat in the FA Cup replay is a setback for English football. An incredible opening line. And um, it, it just, it, it made me... It made me laugh so much. It made me laugh so much, particularly because I feel like there's this trend in football, um, especially in the English media, where it, it seems like whenever Chelsea do something well, like we win a big game, there are certain outlets in English football media who have to treat it like an existential crisis. Now, I remember last year, a great example was that Chelsea beat Borussia Dortmund. It was one of our rare, really only high points of last season. And the analysis post-game was about the handball that led to Kai Havertz winning penalty. It was a handball, but the argument then became, is the handball law something we need to look at? Like It seems like anything that goes in Chelsea's favour we have to now turn back round and go, let, this is an existential threat to football. Today, it's the fact that Chelsea absolutely wiped the floor of Aston Villa. And it was objectively a great Chelsea performance. Aston Villa should have, should have beaten this current Chelsea team based on form. No, it's a setback for English football because Aston Villa didn't win. And I think that that is, that is something that you know, just makes me laugh so much. I mean, I can't get past the fact that it is Jamie Carragher. There is a little bit of Liverpool bias in there. It's like the, the classic Liverpool pundit, moral arbiter. I know what's best for English football and I know what's healthy for English football. And it definitely isn't Chelsea winning a game that they deserve to win. And apparently it's a setback for English football. No, it's not. It's, it's not a setback for English football at all. Just to go back to the... Um, I've got a comment here. Just to go back to... Uh, that story I was talking about, and I was talking about that that uh, journalist, Christian Falk. Absolutely. How could I forget his name? Wasn't he the same one who did the whole um, Harry Kane stunt in the summer as well that was quite embarrassing? I'm sorry if I've got the wrong one. There was definitely 
a journalist over in the summer who did that, who who covers Bayern Munich very close, closely. But Falk, yeah, I remember, I remember that. I remember Frank Lampard at the time came out, and it was quite embarrassing actually how strong. Because sometimes you know Chelsea just won't comment on every single transfer rumor, obviously. But the way they came out so strongly and didn't bat that one away, I think said a lot. But just on this here, I as Chelsea fans, this is a good sign. I would take this as a good sign. I know it's only one game, but the fact that Chelsea have their best performance on Wednesday for years, I feel. Um, and already just one win. And it may only be one big win. Chelsea may go back to being crap very quickly. We're already getting it's a setback for English football. I, I just think says says so much. Uh, I think it really does. Um, now let's move on to this blue cards being introduced. I'm interested to hear your thoughts about this, but let's go through the story. Uh, this is by uh, Ben Rumsby. This um, came out last night and, and has gained a lot of reaction, as you'd probably suspect. A blue card is to be introduced to football as part of Sinbin trials to be announced on Friday. Telegraph Sport can reveal the game's lawmaking body. IFAB has signed off on what would be a first new card to be used in the sport since the advent of yellow and red cards at the 1970 World Cup. Apparently, the decision and the intention behind the move will see players removed from the field in a sin bin for 10 minutes if they commit a cynical foul or show dissent towards a match official. The Football Association of Wales had planned to use a blue card during the sin bin trial in grassroots competition this season with the colour chosen over the likes of orange in order to differentiate clearly from a yellow or red card. Later down in this piece, there's talks about whether... Seferin, the UEFA president, is is kind of opposed to it. Will there be trials next year in the FA Cup, in the uh, FA Women's Cup? Um, so we'll see. We'll see about this whether it actually goes through. But because IFAB are talking about it, it's it's very serious and looks like it could come in. The the one thing that instantly, from a very Chelsea selfish point of view, I mean, yeah, sure, blue cards. We we all know blue is the best color, but on top of that, Chelsea with dissent towards officials kind of worries me. If we don't sort that out very quickly, we're going to have players go into that sin bin. We're going to have a whole bench. It's going to be crammed in. If if it's the sort of sin bin we see, and and um, Krista uh, points out here uh, with, with the NHL, that's what I think what most people feel. I am not an NHL expert by any means, but I do have family who, who like NHL and I have watched it in the past in terms of NHL penalties like this are normal when where players are sent to the penalty box for a period of time, depending on the incident. Um, one of the other things about NHL and hockey that I love is that players will just be actively encouraged to fight on the ice rink when they've got a problem. I don't think we'll ever see that in football where two players, everyone just stops and just allows two players to start having a go at each other um, in a centre circle. I think that'd be very funny, especially when Diego was around. Um, I, I would pay good money to see that. But... Um, I, I do worry if this is just again an act that an act that doesn't really solve a bigger problem and it's just kind of um going around the center of the problem. Um and it's it's a performative act, it's another gimmick rather than a substantial improvement. You know, I think the problem at the moment, and I, and I can only really speak properly to the PGMOL because I watch Premier League football, I watch English football more than any other country uh but the current problem is is the competence of premier league officiating the 
the way decisions are got to in VAR on a consistent basis, the lack of clarity, the lack of consistency over officiating is something that concerns us on a regular basis. Now, I know some people have advocated for something of this nature because they feel that, say, a cynical foul that stops a counterattack um, is something that should be stopped. I understand it's frustrating, but then I also think there's always been a penalty for those kind of fouls. Like, there always has been a yellow card, and that player can then, you know, that can't do that foul again. And if he does, he could be sent off and really cost his team. The sin bin doesn't really change that. And I think that the problem I have with a rule like this is, again, it's just kind of performative. Um, it doesn't really... It, I think in in English game, it won't solve much. It will probably empower officials to have even more power trips than they already have, which I think, you know, you see from officials in the past like Mike Dean. You see officials recently like Tierney, um, who seem to be so self-assured, you know, Martin Atkinson in recent years as well, who are self, so, so self-assured in their own power and their own ego um, that they'll take this as another license to to gain even more power um and I, and I think that that in itself is a concern to me and and I think that it's it's one of those things that I'd like to see trialed I do like the idea of there being more transparency with VAR towards the crowd coming in next season I think that's a smart move because the experience if you don't go to Chelsea games regularly if you don't go to Premier League games regularly when I watch a game from home and I see the VAR protocols even if even if the decision is wildly wrong, which it sometimes can be, I am very well informed as a viewer at home. When you're in the stadium, it's the complete opposite. You are in the dark. You have no idea. Sometimes if these decisions take more than like two or three minutes, it feels like a complete insult. And I think that having something akin to what we see in rugby, where there is more official communication with the crowd, that they did trial and do at the Women's World Cup. I was at the Women's World Cup uh, last summer where they did it. And and really, it was just the announcement of the decision, the final decision. And at times, it was a little bit confusing where it, it, it didn't feel like it was being communicated that well. But they have tried it out. And, and in the end, it did work. I think, you know, it, it at least communicated what the exact decision was. Did it solve all the problems? No, but I think that it was... It was something that at least gave some clarification to fans within the stadium who can sometimes, as I say, be left really in the dark over what's going on with VAR. And I think that's that's in itself a real problem. Um, but I, I do think as well, there is just a fundamental problem that I think the officials in the Premier League just aren't good enough. And um, you can kind of tweak it. You can kind of add performative acts. You can kind of add more gimmicks. You can add as many things as as you want to kind of get around that i do want to make this point you know i think it's been really interesting watching afcon which has been an amazing tournament i hope you guys have been watching it and enjoying it as well um and i do agree with some of the comments here that krishna makes here um in terms of the bundesliga getting var way better um and here from uh, bmr i watch a decent amount of bundesliga i think the rest are just better now this is not to say that it's a blanket you will never find baffling or bad officiating in the bundesliga in la liga i know people who watch those leagues who say yeah, yeah at times it does feel equally as bad um 
but there is there is a calamity and an almost comical nature to the Premier League. And I think the, the problem is with Premier League officiating is it has felt like a very enclosed bubble that hasn't been open to criticism, that has battered it away, that has punished criticism from Premier League managers that has tried to gaslight, helped by people in the media as well, to try and gaslight any form of criticism towards Premier League officiating for far too long. I think that's slight, there's been a slight turn away from that, but unfortunately... It's kind of been energised in a very selfish way by clubs, which is not that surprising. Rather than, uh, I, I said this on 19 Min months ago, where I was like, I, I think that they're, the only way we're going to get substantial change is if clubs put their own interests um, behind them and the clubs collectively come together because Chelsea have been affected, Liverpool have been affected, Man United affected, Arsenal have been affected, Newcastle, Wolves have been affected. There isn't a club in the Premier League that isn't touched by bad Premier League officiating. And I know we're very tribal in our means. And I know I can look at recently where, like, I do think, you know, it's very difficult to get decisions at Anfield. But that doesn't mean that there aren't problems elsewhere. And I think it's about that nuance that I, I think is 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 the real problem. Um, it, it really is. I mean, whether we get semi-automated offsides, which BMR is, is pointing out here, we'll see. But I, I do want to say about AFCON is that AFCON has not only been a really enjoyable tournament from an entertainment spectacle point of view, with some of the goals, with some of the shocks, with some of the twists and turns of that tournament that's made it so exciting. Um, and it's it's baffling to me that Given the positivity and, and enthusiasm for AFCON, it's it, it's amazing to me that each year now broadcasters have to be kicking and screaming to a place where they actually show it. Um, but as well, the officiating has been good as well. The officiating has been effective. And it's kind of no surprise to me that like we have seen the international tournaments, another international tournament here, that when you don't have Premier League officials involved, I think the level of officiating goes up substantially. So that that in itself has told me that our level of officiating just isn't isn't good at all, isn't where it needs to be, and uh, needs to be improved. And I, I, whether this makes an improvement, I'm not sure, um, because then it will come down to subjective decision making. You know, will will players get thrown in the sin bin for just being frustrated that they've given away a foul? Maybe not even dissent, but maybe a, an official thinks dissent is dissent because anything that doesn't entirely agree with them means that you're getting thrown in the sin bin. And I also do think that there are tactical fouls and we always fans get annoyed if we see our team concede a goal and there were moments in the build-up to that goal where players could have... Um, you know, if we could have, you know, um, stopped that counter-attack. And, and I think that that in itself is a problem. So there we go. That is uh, today's Morning Blues. Thank you so much for tuning in as as usual. Um, please do give me your thoughts on, on VAR, on the blue cards, Enzo Fernandez, and uh, Jamie Carragher getting salty over Chelsea actually winning a game of football. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I will be back over the weekend for my team selector ahead of the game against Crystal Palace, which is on Monday. So I probably won't be posting my team selector till Sunday. I like to do it kind of a day before the game. So we've got kind of a full weekend to enjoy without Chelsea. But to be honest, things are good with Chelsea. So at least we can save our that Aston Villa win. Hope you have a great Friday and I'll see you again very soon. All the best. Podcast Network.